Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Straight cash, homie. Would you please break a damn story? He took it out. Oh, for you. It's a Friday edition of the PFTPM podcast. Questions only. And I say that with a bit of hesitation because... I don't see 22 responses to the tweet today. 22? I guess that's better than 122. And we've been closer to 122 than 22 in recent weeks. I don't know where everybody is today. Post-Halloween sugar hangover? People taking this Friday off? Where is everybody? And again, I'm torn because usually I'm in a position where I have to fly through these responses to get to all of them, but... You know, I was feeling pretty good today. 18th anniversary of the website. I was thinking we'd have a bunch of questions. And I don't know, did I do? Oh, you know what? I, oh, I see what I did. I see what I did. I didn't activate the PFTPM posse. Oh, no. Now I see what I did wrong. I did not activate the PFTPM posse. So here's what I'm going to do. Oops, I crapped my pants. Oops, I didn't activate properly the PFTPM posse. Taping now. Ask your questions. Now I know what happened. See, usually what I do is... I put out the tweet with some sort of a gift that's unrelated to football to get your attention. And I tag the PFTPM posse. And I did at PFTPM like a dumbass. What is at PFTPM on Twitter? Pulled from the pit. What the hell is that? Pulled from the pit. And the website's pulledfromthepit.com. You know, I'm probably going to regret that I clicked on that. Site under construction. Check back soon. So, yeah, at PFTPM. Why didn't I make that? Why didn't I squat on that? Twitter handle instead of letting some guy that doesn't even have a website to back it up. All right. Anyway, now I feel better. I'm in a better mood now. It's like, why is there only 22 responses to the question? Let's go through these responses and then I'll see if anybody's responded to the one that I just posted. Matt Casey, the coordinating producer of PFT live and one of the producers of Football Night America, and the producer, I guess, of the PFTPM podcast. I don't know what he does. He would probably say the same thing about me. He has an observation. What was the best birthday gift you ever got? Bonus points if it rhymes with born pole. What the hell does that mean? Oh, now I get it. Yes, yes. Uh, Somebody named Matt Casey once got me a pretty nice cornhole game that uh, we, we play all the time and it's big sturdy thick heavy boards not those little crappy boards i mean these these hold up very very well that was a pretty good gift that was an unexpected gift the best gifts are the ones you just don't expect like when you're a kid 
you know what you want and you lobby for it and you just hope you get it and if you don't you're pissed off the best gifts are the ones you just don't see coming so that was a good that was a good one that was a good one you know i i remember big christmas gifts more than i remember big birthday gifts like for whatever reason it was always christmas time where you did your best and most creative and most aspirational gift wishing there really isn't a birthday gift that stands out. I guess, does it count? Like the first car I got, I guess that was a birthday gift when I turned 16. It was a hand-me-down Volkswagen that they had repainted because it was an awful yellow than when my when my sister drove it. They had it painted silver, which was pretty cool. As cool as a Volkswagen Beetle from the early 70s can ever be. That wasn't a bad birthday gift. Yeah, the, the, the cornhole... The cornhole uh, boards are having a—they're—they're they're having a hard time being being trumped just because they, it was completely unexpected. I don't know why nothing else really stands out because again, the focus for me is always, or at least always was, not now. Now I don't get anything. Although I got a great Apple Watch last year for Christmas, but for birthday I don't get anything. I don't want anything. I don't want anything. Cake. I want cake. I want to be able to relax. I want to be able to have a couple of drinks. I want to be able to smoke a cigar, cook a steak outside. That That is all you can really hope for at this point. Chris Sims or Matt Casey, who operates the Chris Sims Twitter account, who are your five-time or your five favorite Vikings of all time or five-time all-time favorite Vikings, either way. I never really thought of it that way. James Ova suggests Randy Moss, John Randall, Chris Carter, Alan Page, and Adrian Peterson, and spells Chris wrong, Chris Carter. What kind of Vikings fan are you, Chris, or James, or Chris? It's C-R-I-S, not C-H-R-I-S. Come on, man. This is a fan... How do you have Alan Page there and not Fran Tarkenton? You gotta have Fran Tarkenton on the list. You gotta have Fran Tarkenton. See, for me, it's Fran Tarkenton, Chuck Foreman, Randy Moss... Alan Page. And number five is a toss-up. I don't know. Do you go Carter? Do you go Randall? Do you go Adrian Peterson? Do you go Kirk Cousins? Well, you don't go Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins has a long way to go to get to the top five list. Hey, Kirk, win Super Bowl MVP. Force me to get a Kirk Cousins tattoo on my arm. Then maybe you crack the top five. Frankly, if any Vikings team ever wins the Super Bowl, it would reset a lot of people's top five. There's a lot of Vikings fans that have been waiting a very long time for the Vikings to even get back to the Super Bowl. Although I would guess that there's a lot of trepidation about how that two weeks would be. Maybe so much time has passed now that it's just screw it. Let's go. If the Vikings end up 0-5 in the Super Bowl, doesn't matter because it's been 43 years. Yeah, 0-4, 0-5, who cares? The chance to get to 0-5 is something that has taken a lot longer than most thought it ever would especially when the vikings got there four times between 19 what was it 1969 and 1976 super bowl 4 super bowl 8 super bowl 9 and super bowl 11 and then nothing since then so back to the question tarkenton moss foreman alan page and then after that, a lot of competition for the fifth spot. You could go Chris Carter. You could go John Randall. You could go 
Adrian Peterson. There have been a lot of great Vikings players over the years, just none of them who have ended up wearing a Super Bowl ring that was won while playing for the Vikings. Eddie Horse Sports, it's early, but it seems like we're in for more starting quarterback changes next year than normal, whether it's by free agency, trades, retirement, or the draft. I'm thinking at least 8 to 10 teams, maybe 12 thoughts. Well, whenever I'm asked a question like that, here's what I do. I grab the handy and trusty record and fact book. I flip it open, and on the inside of the front cover, we have the 32 teams. And let's just go through. Which of the 32 teams is likely to be in the market for a new starting quarterback in 2020? I'll start with the AFC East. Buffalo Bills? No. Miami Dolphins? Yes. New England Patriots? No, unless Tom Brady either retires or moves on to a new team. Let's go with no for now, though. I think the smart money is on no. Shefty's best efforts to agitate notwithstanding. The Jets? I'm going to go no. The Ravens, no. The Bengals, yes. There's two. The Browns, no. The Steelers, most likely no. It's either going to be Ben Roethlisberger or one of the guys they have in-house, I would assume. Texans, no. Colts, no. Jaguars, no. It's going to be Gardner Minshew or Nick Foles. Titans, yes. Denver Broncos, let's put them down for a yes. Kansas City Chiefs, no. Chargers, yes. There's five. Raiders, I'm going to put them down for yes. I think the moment that Derek Carr replicated his stupid-ass play from 2017 where he was running toward the end zone and dove and reached the ball out with his left hand and dropped it into the end zone like that's what he was supposed to do, I think that's the moment because that same day John Gruden saw wizardry in the form of Aaron Rodgers. I'm going to go yes. There's six. Cowboys, no. Let's assume they find a way to keep track. Dak Prescott, Giants, no. Eagles, no. Washington, who knows? Dysfunctional teams do dysfunctional things. I'm going to say no because they just got Dwayne Haskins with the 15th overall pick in the draft. It could be yes. I'm going to say no. Some of these where I'm on the fence, I'm going one way and then the other, and it averages out. So for now, we're still at six. Bears, yes. Lions, most likely no. Packers, no. Vikings, four weeks ago, it looked like yes. They're still stuck with Kirk Cousins' contract. I'm going to keep them in the no category. Falcons, no, but... Not because they really have any choice, because Matt Ryan's contract is crippling from a cap standpoint. Panthers, yes, there's three. Saints, do you put them in the yes category if Drew Brees is going to retire, but they keep Teddy Bridgewater? There's no way they're going to have neither Brees nor Bridgewater at quarterback next year, is there? I'm going to keep them in the no. Buccaneers, I'll say yes. Just Again, For some of these that are on the fence, I'll go one way and then the other and assume it averages out. That's nine. Cardinals, no. Rams, no. Seahawks, no. 49ers, I would have been up in the air about it until last night. Last night, Jimmy Garoppolo looked great. So let's let's say nine. Nine out of 32 is a lot. And Eddie Horse Sports said eight to ten teams, maybe 12. I'll, I'll go nine. I'll go nine. And again, some of the ones that I said yes, maybe no. And some of the ones I said no, maybe yes. Eddie Horse Sports, the Rams traded Aqib Tlaib to Miami this week. We know about the 89% over four years and a rolling salary cap of minimum cash expenditure. Is that threshold only met at the end of the year or does it have to be met at the end of all 17 weeks of the regular season? I'm curious. It actually is met at the end of the league year. 
it's met on the last day before free agency. Because there's that chunk from the end of the regular season until the start of the new league year where you can pay people and the money counts toward the current cap year. That's when it resets. Cap year. League year. So, and I, I assume you're pointing that out because Miami dumped and spent and will spend $4.235 million simply to get a fifth-round pick. And they gave up a seventh-round pick a couple of years down the road. But they bought a fifth-round pick for $4.235 million. Now, they dumped Kenyon Drake's salary for the remainder of the year, a little over a million, but still. They're paying Aqib Tlaib $4.235 million to do nothing for the rest of the year in order to get a fifth-round pick, who will make significantly less than $4.235 million over the four years of the contract that he signs after he's drafted. Locker room talk. If it wasn't football, what other sport would you be willing to cover and write about? None of them. None of, the only reason I got into this business was to write about football. That was the only sport that I was truly passionate about, that I looked forward to throughout the entire offseason, that I enjoyed and consumed one week at a time and loved it, and always got excited when the postseason rolled around, regardless of who was in it. Always looked forward to the Super Bowl. Always enjoyed a great game, Monday night game. At times I've thought, well, maybe if football ever went away, I'd cover hockey. I don't know. Hey, here's the thing. Look, I'm a capitalist. I don't know what money there would be in covering hockey. Would there be any money in it? Do the people who cover hockey make money? I have a feeling they don't make that much money. So I would do something else. I mean, look, again, it's a capitalistic society. I'm going to bust my ass on something that I think is financially viable. So if I'm going to cover a sport, I'm going to cover the most popular sport in America, or none of them. And it just so happens that the most popular sport in America is the one that I was passionate about. So I'd be doing something else. Probably, I, I hate to think I'd be practicing. I was thinking about this earlier today. If I had not stopped practicing law 10 years ago, would I still be alive? Seriously. Practicing law in a litigation setting is stressful. If you put a lot of yourself into it physically, mentally, and emotionally. It is stressful. And I insisted on practicing alone. After practicing with a firm and rising to the level of partner and realizing that everyone isn't nearly on the same page, and I assume this is true of any law firm with more than a small handful of lawyers, and even then, everybody's got their own agenda. Once I realized that there's still plenty of bickering and fighting and I didn't like that. I wanted to know that everyone's on the same page no matter what, all the time. Because it's just mentally exhausting. When you are in a business where your work consists of fighting with people all the time to then turn around and fight with the people you're supposed to be on the same team with. Now, the problem is some lawyers are so wired to fight that they will fight with everyone. And everything is a fight that they have to win. And when you have to deal with people like that on a regular basis, unless you are wired to be the same way, it wears you out. I like a good fight. I'm ready to fight. But everything isn't a fight. Life is too damn short to fight about every single thing. So I don't know what I'd be doing. I know you didn't ask that question. I've broadened the question. If I wasn't doing this, what would I be doing? I don't know. 
And I'm glad I don't have to figure it out. I really don't know. I was talking to my wife the other day about how long I intend to do this. It's like, what? number one, what else would I do? And number two, it, it's, it's, I don't want to compare this. My only frame of reference is the people that I report on and the people that I study all the time. And you look at a coach like Bill Belichick, once you got it figured out, you just keep doing it. As long as you have the physical, mental, and emotional ability to do it, you keep doing it. And I remember a time when it was a grind. It was a real grind to get through football season because you bust your ass all week, and then on Saturday you travel and you're away from home for two days, and that Sunday is so stressful. And then your reward for getting through the Sunday is you travel home, and then once you get home, you just keep right back at it. And it does take a little adjustment every year when the season rolls around now, but it's not as exhausting as it used to be. I've gotten used to it. I can keep doing this indefinitely. So, and and even if you remove from it the NBC equation, we've got several more years left under contract. I fully intend to stay as long as they'll have me, as long as we work out an arrangement that's fair for everyone. And right now, I think the arrangement's fair for everyone. I assume NBC will keep the NFL after the current contract. I mean, you never know what's going to happen over the next 10, 15, 20 years. But I mean, one of the one of the key aspects of not selling the equity to anyone is that I, I continue to own ProFootballTalk.com. The destination will continue to exist and I'll continue to operate it as long as I can. Under whatever format, whatever partnership, whatever arrangement there may be, I'm not going anywhere. And if it means that we stay with NBC well into the future, we've been with NBC 10 years. If it's another 10 years, 15, 20 years, that's fine by me. Josh Randall, happy anniversary. Keep up the great work. Thank you, Josh. Maz, best and worst NFL mascot. I really don't care. I don't want to be an ass, but I really don't care about mascots. I really don't. Remember Steely McBeam? Is he still floating around? That was that was a stupid-ass mascot. The Vikings mascot currently, and I, I say this with some hesitation because Victor Viking follows us on Twitter, and Victor will retweet and interact from time to time, and Victor's probably going to hear this, and I apologize in advance, Victor, but the dude on the motorcycle was a lot more badass than Victor Viking. Victor Viking is like a caricature of a mascot because that's what the folks in the suits, that's the whole idea. It's a walking, talking, well, not talking. It's a walking, mute caricature of a mascot. I like the badass Viking on the motorcycle, driving out through the Metrodome, getting some carbon monoxide into the air. A little carbon monoxide didn't hurt anybody. Well, or a little doesn't. <laughs> that's, that took a dark turn. So... Sorry, Victor. You 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 made you made the worst side of the ledger. Just because you're never going to fill the shoes of the dude on the motorcycle. I can't remember that guy's name, but that dude was awesome. I I can't think of who the best mascot is. I you know what I have to do? I have to flip back open the record and fact book. Who has an awesome mascot? I like the Patriots with the the Minutemen that that fire the muskets. Are they muskets or muzzle loaders? 
That's kind of cool. Are they mascots? Who else has a good mascot? Jackson DeVille, my nemesis. We get into one Twitter fight six years ago, and people think like we want to kill each other. I got no problem with Jackson DeVille. Who else has a good mascot? I remember Whistling Ray. Remember him? That wasn't a mascot. See, some of the fans who morph into mascots, like Fireman Ed, like the like the guy at the Vikings games who, who you know has the tattoos and and the the hat with the horns and the big beard. Sometimes fans become a more memorable mascot than any mascot that they can put on the field. So, mascot really doesn't add much to the experience. Ghost Musician, why are you giving the Seahawks so much respect when they should have lost to the Rams? First-time listener. Okay, Ghost Musician, I know you're more than first-time listener. I've seen you on here before. I've, I've answered your questions before. I don't know. I mean, the Seahawks still won the game. The Seahawks have a better record. I got more faith in Russell Wilson as a quarterback than Jared Goff. And, hey, Rams are going to get their chance at the Seahawks again. And the Seahawks are going to get their shot at the 49ers. Rams lost convincingly to the 49ers. Let's see what the Seahawks do 10 days from now. Week 10, Monday Night Football. And and also, when you have faith in a team that nationally the sense is there isn't as much faith as you have in them, you find yourself rooting for them to validate your own belief in them. You know, if I believe the Seahawks are going to be one of the final two teams in the NFC, then I want to see the Seahawks do well. I have Eagles Seahawks as my NFC finalists, so I want to see them both do well to prove that I'm not an idiot. Tom Marshall, otherwise known as a red zone outcome off to Wembley for Texans at Jaguars, would a win for Gardner Minshew cement his position as the starter going forward? It's a great question. And, you know, anytime someone says that's a great question, that means they're buying time to come up with an answer. And that's exactly what the Jaguars would like to do. The Jaguars are going to kick this can for as long as they can. And they're not going to make a rash decision. And they're not going to have any clear position. The options are fairly simple. Nick Foles is healthy. You put him back in no matter what Gardner Minshew is doing. You keep Gardner Minshew no matter what. And he's now the starter. And he doesn't lose his job unless he gets injured. Or you play the 100% rule game, which I'm surprised they didn't play. It's an easy game to play. Play with me. The starting quarterback, Nick Foles, will return to action when he's 100%. Now, see, it's harder to play that game with a very discreet and finite injury like a broken collarbone. Because it heals, you're fine, and off you go. If it's like a badly sprained ankle or a knee issue or something like that. Well, you know, 100%. Well, who knows? Well, it's going to take a little more time. And then the player continues to not be 100% until the backup stinks enough that you want to make a change. So you say that the starter is 100%. So you never de facto bench the starter and you're not benching the backup. You're just putting the starter back in. You can't lose your job due to injury. And there's a business aspect to this that we can't overlook. Because Gardner Minshew II, Gardner the Ginsu Minshew, has resonated with folks in Jacksonville unlike any Jaguar since maybe Fred Taylor 
or maybe ever. When did the Jaguars ever have a starting quarterback that got people excited? All due respect to Mark Brunel. When did they have a starting quarterback that got people truly excited? They have one now. And I feel bad for Nick Foles, but hey, Nick Foles got paid. And Nick Foles may get traded to one of those teams that are looking for a quarterback next year. Or Gardner Minshew gets injured in January or December and Foles comes in and, and leads another playoff run as the backup. Next question. Let's see what we got here. Locker room talk. The Rams' last first-round pick was Jared Goff, second overall in 2016. Actually, it was first overall. Barring a trade, their next first-rounder will be 2021. Was mortgaging the future for assets like Brandon Cooks, Jalen Ramsey, and others worth it? I don't know. Was it worth it? If you win a Super Bowl, I guess it's worth it. The problem is when you, when you give up first-round picks, you're giving up the opportunity to draft a guy who you're going to keep for five years. You're going to pay him a relatively low rate for the first four, a manageable year five, and then maybe you keep him. If, if you roll the dice and you get a winner, you're going to keep him. So I don't know. The Rams have become one of the better teams in the NFL. See, when you start getting overly happy with giving up first-round picks and paying guys market value, you put a lot of pressure on yourself to draft and develop wisely on the back end. That's something the Vikings have managed to do. They've got a lot of guys who are making market value or close to it, and they're doing a great job of drafting and developing on the back end. So was it worth it? It would definitely have been worth it if they won a Super Bowl. But but look here, again, every team can say that their goal is to win a Super Bowl. Oh, we're trying to win a Super Bowl. We want to win a Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Look, if that's your standard for success or failure, you're going to be pissed off pretty much all the time. The goal is to develop a team that is a contender, a team that is relevant, a team that puts asses in the seats, a team that is in competition beyond Thanksgiving every single year. You don't have to make the playoffs every year. You don't have to make the Super Bowl every other year. You don't have to get to the conference championship game every other year. You just want to be relevant. The Cowboys haven't been to a conference championship game since 1995. Far more often than not, they're relevant. Especially in December. Why in December? Because you want people to continue to come to your games. If tickets aren't sold, you want them to be bought. If tickets are bought, you want them to be used because you want people there spending way too much on overpriced beer and food and other stuff. And you also want kids to want the jerseys worn by their favorite football players. If your local team sucks, Jimmy and Jenny and Johnny aren't going to be clamoring for the Baker Mayfield jersey this year. Last year, get us Baker Mayfield. This year, eh, maybe not Baker Mayfield. Maybe somebody from the Indians. And that gets to a point that Sims and I were arguing about on PFT Live yesterday regarding the phony support that NFL teams will give to other teams in the same market on social media. And I was trying to horn in. Washington NFL franchise trying to congratulate the Nationals. There is competition and envy among those organizations. Why? Why is it? And Sim says, oh, that's crazy. The players support the players in the other sports. Yeah, the players support them. The players have no problem with that sense of camaraderie that extends from league to league. But when you think about the market, when you think about the people, the fans, you think about their discretionary income. They only have certain dollars that can be used for tickets to games 
and all the stuff you buy at a game and all the stuff you buy around the sport like jerseys for Jimmy and Jenny and Johnny at Christmas time. So if you've got, and let me just use Pittsburgh as an example. They got three teams there, Penguins, Steelers, Pirates. The dominant team in the market is, I mean, think about it. the, The Steelers are the dominant team in the market by far. And the Steelers have been relevant for decades. If the Steelers ever became a consistent bottom feeder like the Pirates are, and the Pirates became a consistent contender, you're going to see that needle move toward the Pirates. And all of a sudden at Christmas time, or throughout the year, birthday, whatever, it's going to be Pirate jerseys instead of Steeler jerseys. Or people buying Pirate season tickets instead of Steeler season tickets. Or Penguin season tickets. I mean, there's only so much money that people have to engage in these non-necessary, non-mandatory expenditures. So anyway, I don't know how I got down that rabbit hole. Oh, I was talking about why teams want to be relevant past December. They want to be competitive in the market. They want to make money. And was it worth it for the Rams? When you look at how the Rams have separated from the Chargers in their market and how the Rams managed to get a decent crowd, although a lot of the people at the games are rooting for the visiting team. We'll see what happens next year when they go into the new stadium. I think it was worth it because it was beyond being competitive. You want to be competitive. You want to try to win. You want to get a Super Bowl championship, but you also want the market that had no NFL team for 20-plus years to flock to you. And you do that with these star players that get people excited. That's why I say all the time with the XFL, they either have to attract stars or create stars, or nobody's going to care. Nobody's going to care. You need to make people care. And you make these big splash moves and that'll make people care. Let's see what else we have here. Joe Black, serious question in regards to the Vikings. Do you doubt them in big games to save yourself disappointment and say, I told you so? No, I don't. No, I'm... Here's the thing. I'm, I'm a recovering Vikings fan. That's the best way to put it. Because before I got into this business, I was very zealous, very ardent. I would watch the games every week. I got a direct TV hookup in 1997 and it changed my life for good and for bad. I can remember some games. There was a game in 97 against the Cardinals where the Vikings were down a couple of scores late. And I just remember like turning the sound down, turning the lights off and just sitting there and just kind of peeking at the game, like watching a scary movie. And they came back and won the game and I was elated. 1998 season, magical. Randy Moss, West Virginia guy, 15-1, and one, up until the point where Gary Anderson somehow missed that that 39-yard field goal, the only kick he missed all year, which bitch. But, uh, but once I got into the business, see, that's, that's, that's the, the curse of the thing that I've built. Because, and, and anybody who's an, who's a, a loyal and passionate NFL fan has a favorite team. How, how could you love the sport and not have a team that stands out that you support over all others. So the passion that caused me to get into this business, because I love it. This isn't, well, I went to journalism school and, you know, I really would like to be covering the White House, but I wasn't uh, able to get one of those jobs. And I'd like to be doing financial reporting, but I wasn't able to get one of those jobs. And they offered me a position at the sports desk and 
I covered baseball for a while and then I did basketball for a year or two and then I kind of fell into baseball and hey I kind of like or bad or football and hey you know I kind of like football and off we go but you know if the football would go away I'd go do whatever other sport they want me to do there's a lot of people who cover football that don't like football there's a lot of people who cover football that like other sports better trust me there are plenty of people who cover football that like other sports better which gets back to the question from earlier what other sport would I cover none of them so anyway that passion that drew me into this business if you're going to do the business right if you're going to be as good as you can be as someone who covers all 32 teams your passion necessarily subsides now does it die no but it subsides and are my takes on the Vikings influenced by years of seeing how this movie turns out and knowing that whenever it looks like they've got something special, they find a way to trip over their own two feet? I mean, yes. But what other team in the NFL, I would have this same take about the Vikings if they were the Colts. I mean, I can relate to the suffering and to the jubilation of every fan of every team. And you can see the patterns that develop over the years. And you understand what Colts fans go through, Browns fans go through, Bills fans go through. And I've wondered from time to time, is it better to never be a true competitor or contender at all and know by Thanksgiving that you're not going to be in it or to be in it and to have it end in new and creative ways every few years? I mean, since getting to the Super Bowl the last time in 1976, I was thinking about this the other day. Every 11 years after that, is that how it's worked out? Every 11 years after that, the Vikings have gotten back to the NFC Championship game and they've had a horrific loss in the NFC Championship game. Now, there's one other NFC Championship game appearance, the one from 2017. That's the aberration. But 87, after the Vikings had unexpected road upset wins over the Saints and then the 49ers, which was one of the most unbelievable playoff runs that I ever witnessed, lost to Washington. Darren Nelson had a pass that was arguably catchable at the goal line that would have potentially tied the game late. That was 87, 11 years after 76. Then came 98, the 15-1 team that had the game won, up seven. Gary Anderson misses the field goal. Falcons tie it up. Falcons win it in overtime. And then 11 years after that, the 2009 NFC Championship game. So, Vikings fans, brace yourself. Next year is the year that you're due to have it all fall together. And then in the NFC Championship game, there'll be some disgusting, ridiculous bounce of the ball or bounty or whatever that's going to cause the whole thing to fall apart. And 2017 was the aberration because even though the Vikings were up 7-0 in the NFC Championship game, it all came apart and unglued by halftime. It was like the 2000 NFC Championship game. I'd forgotten about that one. The wheels came off of that one quickly as well. That doesn't hurt, in my mind, as much as losing when you think you're going to win. Phil in Michigan, otherwise known as at PFT Sponge, if Washington did indeed know Trent Williams had cancer and he were to lose his fight, they would have ended up in legal hell, right? Well, they already may be in legal hell. It would have been a lot worse if he would have died. 
But if he's telling the truth, and I have no reason to doubt him on this, he says that this growth first emerged in 2013 when Mike Shanahan was the head coach. Why would we doubt him? This isn't Jalen Ramsey's embellished and or fabricated back injury. This is a guy who had a growth removed from his skull that was there saying when it first arose. And it first arose, he said yesterday, when Mike Shanahan was a coach. How is that wrong? So the team puts out that very bland and unfeeling statement requesting the joint committee under the CBA to review the medical records and assess the care that he received. And then they leaked to J.P. Finley of NBC Sports Washington, a leak that I assume came from Bruce Allen. Finley's interviewed Allen in the past. Allen doesn't talk to a whole lot of people. So Allen tells Finley that they expect the review to support a different version of the events than the one that was shared by Trent Williams. I just don't buy it. And of all the teams in the NFL, if you laid out that set of facts and you said, guess which team it is, I'd say Washington. It really is shameful how they've handled this. And if Trent Williams is wrong, then shame on him. But I don't think he's wrong. I have a feeling he's going to be validated in all this. And I have a feeling that, well, this is all speculation. I don't want to get sued. I just won't be surprised if we find out that there was some clumsy-ass attempt to cover it up. We'll see. We'll see how it all plays out. Locker room talk with decline in ratings and horrible matchups. Is there any chance the NFL moves Monday Night Football off of ESPN? Well, first of all, the ratings aren't down for Monday Night Football. The ratings are up for every network this year except for NFL Network. The NFL Network exclusive games, and there have been three of them so so far, two on a Thursday and and, uh, one of the early morning London games, they're down like 19%. Everybody else is up. And, And here's the thing you have to keep in mind when you consider Monday Night Football. Once the package moved from three-letter to four-letter network, the package necessarily is less compelling. Here's why. The NFL wants to save its best games for the biggest platforms. You want to have a great package on Sunday night football. You want to have a great package on Thursday night football. You want to have a great package 425 p.m. Eastern, CBS and Fox on a rotating basis. Because there still is a bigger audience that tunes in to traditional network TV. Why is that? You know why that is? There's still millions of people who don't have internet and don't have satellite and don't have cable. So they have TVs with antennas that pick up the signals that are floating around, competing with all the Wi-Fi networks. Isn't it amazing if you're like in New York City and you try to activate a Wi-Fi network and there's so many of them? Like, how many, how many different ways are we being radiated? But in big cities especially, you got a lot of people who just have a TV and maybe a little $15 microphone or microphone or antenna, microphone antenna. Yeah, yeah, you know who we mean. Antenna that they attach to the back. So three-letter networks perform better. They get the better games. Now, if the NFL would decide to make Monday Night Football an ABC or CBS or NBC or Fox property, that's a different situation altogether. If you want Monday Night Football to have the highest possible ratings, you move it back to a three-letter network. So then what do you do with ESPN? I don't know. That's the challenge because the cable channels, the subscription model can pay more money. But 
the three-letter model gets you greater exposure. So in 2006, the NFL flip-flopped. Sunday Night Football was on cable. It moved to broadcast. Monday Night was on broadcast. It moved to cable. Ostensibly, you could have Sunday and Monday both on broadcast. You could do that. They could do whatever they wanted to. And now the numbers are up again. And when you consider the ongoing fracturing of the audience and all the different things out there that we can watch, it's amazing that football continues to deliver the way that it does. And the networks are going to pay. It's just a matter of time. That's why they want to get the CBA done. They want to get the CBA done and they want to get the TV deals done at a time when everything is pointing up because there's a chance there's going to be a recession. There's a chance that next year at this time, people will be consumed once again with presidential politics. I mean, that dip in 2016 was a direct result of a dramatic and revolutionary change to the political system at the national level. Now, this time around, it may not have the same impact because this time around, it's not new. In 2016, it was something new and different. There was a major disruptor. There was a new force that was making politics different. I, I've said this time and again, where, wherever you come down on Donald Trump, and this is not a political comment, wherever you come down, like him, hate him, there really isn't much in between. He's the Dallas Cowboys of politicians. There's no, there's no one that has no opinion on the Dallas Cowboys. There's no one that has no opinion on Donald Trump. But the reality is, it's going to be boring when he's gone. And some people may be very happy when he's gone. Some people may be very sad when he's gone. But it's going to be boring. People are going to be far less engaged. And I, I always wonder, as I apply to news outlets, cable, radio, podcast, web, etc. I just, I just wonder how much the business reality drives the coverage because people are so easily manipulated when they have that strong opinion one way or the other to get riled up and to tune in and to read this story and to listen to this podcast and to watch this show. How much are we being manipulated by the editorial decisions made about what stories become stories and, and which rabbit holes they delve into? There's definitely a, a business incentive to, to take advantage of the fact that you got a lot of people that love the guy and you got a lot of people that hate the guy. All right, so much for these 22 going quickly. Maybe there were more than two. It seems like there's more than 22. Locker room talk. Other than Bill Belichick, how many Hall of Fame coaches are currently in the league? Pete Carroll, maybe. Pete Carroll's got a shot. I mean, you have to have won a Super Bowl or, or appeared in multiple like Bud Grant. All right, back to the inside cover of the record and fact book. Sean McDermott, no. Brian, Brian Flores, no. Adam Gase, no. John Harbaugh, maybe. Mike Tomlin, maybe. Bill O'Brien, no. Frank Reich, he's got a long way to go. Doug Marone, long way to go. Mike Frabel, long way to go. Vic Fangio, ain't going to happen. Andy Reid, there's three. Anthony Lynn, John Gruden. John Gruden... John Gruden needs to needs to win another Super Bowl at least. Jason Garrett, no. Pat Sherman, Pat Sherman may not have a job after this year, the way this team's going. 
Doug Peterson's got a Super Bowl, but he's going to have to do a lot more. Matt Nagy, uh, no. Matt Patricia, no. He's going to re- he's going to have to implement that culture. He's really going to have to implement that culture. Matt Lafleur, the way his career started, who knows where he's going to be? He's young and he's going to be around for a long time. Mike Zimmer's got to win a couple of Super Bowls to even be in the conversation. He became a head coach late in life. Dan Quinn, no. Ron Rivera, multiple-time coach of the year, but no Super Bowl wins. Sean Payton, there's a fourth. Bruce Arians, too late to get the head coaching jobs. Great character, but no. Cliff Kingsbury, sky's the limit for him, but I think it's an uphill climb. Sean McVay, there's five. Pete Carroll, number six. Kyle Shanahan, if things go like they are this year, more often than not, he'll have a chance as well. Marginal. Is it true that Phil Villapiano did a poo in John Madden's brogues, the tan one? I have no idea. I've never heard that before. Now I'm going to have to look it up. Tom Marshall, five years on from the catch, has Odo Beckham's career so far been disappointing? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. And this year especially. This year has been a huge disappointment. And I think if he had to do it all over again, he would not have welcomed the trade to the Browns. He would have tried to engineer it somewhere else. That was, you know, he had a lot of resentment because Antonio Brown was able to manipulate the situation and get to where he wanted to be. Now, Brown's currently not playing, but Brown got to do what he wanted to do. Beckham just got traded to the Browns without any conversation, no opportunity to to say yes, no, maybe. And he may decide after this year that he's going to take a more active role in engineering the rest of his career because he wants to play for a team that is successful as the Patriots and he is realizing that the Browns are a long way from getting there. Niners forever 16. Have your thoughts on Cliff Kingsbury changed? I don't know, for better or for worse. I don't know. He's 3-5-1. and one. He's got a long way to go. Made a couple of mistakes last night. Owned them. What else is he going to do? I mean, nobody else called the timeout at the end of the first half on a play where the Cardinals stopped the 49ers. And then the next play, the 49ers scored and made it 21-7. Dr. J144, were we too harsh on Ben McAdoo in retrospect, excluding his suit choices and also his brill cream? Pat Shermer has been even worse there than McAdoo after switching from Eli and McAdoo is the only coach since 2011 who's had a winning season there. Yeah, I don't know that we were too harsh on McAdoo. I think McAdoo, from the moment he showed up in the David Burns stop making sense suit, we should have realized that there was a flaw there that was eventually going to manifest itself in an inability to be as good of a coach as he needed to be. Pat Shermer, I remember being alarmed at Pat Shermer as a head coaching candidate when Mike Holmgren, who was one of the most intense in an unhealthy way, coaches of all time, saying that he constantly urged Pat Shermer to lighten up. Of all people to tell someone to lighten up Mike Holmgren, that tells you how intense Pat Shermer was. I have a feeling Pat Shermer, I, I, I don't, I'm not going to say he's going to be out and I'm not going to say he should be out, but... I have a feeling Pat Shermer needs to needs to worry about maybe not having a third season with the Giants. Broncos fan, will Elway get fired? When will Drew Locke get his first start? I have a feeling the first start's coming sooner than later. Locke's on that IR where he can be recalled and returned. I don't know about John Elway because until they give ownership of the team to someone in the Pat Bowling family, one of his seven kids, the bizarre Willy Wonka competition where somebody's going to get the keys to the franchise. I feel like Elway's got some cover. Sean Alvishar, when teams are dealing with the Cowboys, 
like the Jets with Jamal Adams? Are they asking an even higher price thinking Jones makes bad deals because he's older and desperately wants to win a Super Bowl? Probably not because there are other people that would protect Jerry Jones from Jerry Jones. Sean Alvishire, small sample size. Would you rather have Cliff Kingsbury or Adam Gase as your head coach? Well, Gase went to a pl- the playoffs his first year in Miami, and he's had plenty of hardship, plenty of adversity with his teams in Miami the second year and the third year. And this year, look, we should have seen the disaster coming from the Jets. I let myself get caught up in the possibility the Jets could be good. The Jets should have been saying all year long, from January until now, the stuff that they've said this week. Terry Gensler's got a food question, currently grilling a steak, potatoes, and scallops. What, if any, do you like to marinate your steaks in? My choice is cayenne, Worcestershire, garlic, powder, and red wine. I don't like to marinate steaks. I like to put seasoning on them and put them right on the grill. Terry Gensler wants to know, did I enjoy doing PFT Live solo today? As a fan of the of the show, I enjoy all the interviews and you talking to local beat writers. Yeah, look, I, I it was like it was for the first year and, I don't know, year and a half that we were on TV. The problem is loading the cannon every day with guests because I did the first segment by myself and the last segment by myself on TV. And I can do radio by myself all day long. I can do this podcast by myself all day long. There's something about having that camera there, that unblinking red eye that makes it harder because you have to play to it. See, I can sit here. I can scratch my ass. I can pick my nose. I can... I can do whatever I want. As long as I keep talking, it doesn't matter. But when that camera is constantly on you, you feel like you have to have the right facial expressions. You got to smile. Sometimes you have to incorporate that, that, hmm, you know, the Jim Halpert shrug or whatever. You got to do something because you know that people are like, why am I watching this guy if he's just going to sit there? When I do audio, I can just sit here. So I, I remember at the end of the first segment today thinking, my God, how did I do that all the time? So I, I love having Chris and Big Cat and Peter. Peter had a funeral to go to today where we would have had Peter on. So we had six guests and it was great. It was fun. It's informative to have people who focus on one team. We had three different one well, because Darren Gant, he doesn't focus on the Panthers, but he, he knows the Panthers better than most because he's in Carolina and he covered them for so many years. It's kind of like Shereen with the Cowboys. She's working all teams, but it kind of skews that direction. We had Paul Allen, who's the voice of the Vikings, Tony Grossi on the stuff with Baker Mayfield and the Browns. That was good. Who else am I missing? Tom Curran. How can I forget Tom Curran, the Patriots guy? And then we go more national with Mike Tirico and Tony Dungy. The problem is it really is a challenge to get six people every day. Once in a while, you can do it. That's the first time since we changed the format to have the co-host that I did it by myself as far as I can remember. Dean Osborne, why does there seem to be zero buzz about the upcoming XFL season? Shouldn't they be riding the NFL's coattails of publicity to gain maximum attention? Look, I don't know what the XFL is doing. I, I don't. They are not doing a good job of marketing. I remember they had this grand plan that they were going to get a bunch of quarterbacks under contract. Quarterbacks who otherwise would be on the fringes of NFL consideration get those guys signed and use them to market the league and real and it's just it's it feels like the AAF all over again. And the question is, how many years will Vince McMahon pour money down a dry hole? I'm telling you, I want it to work. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. Spring football isn't going to work. 
the XFL is going to fail. The question is, how much of this is a tax shelter for Vince McMahon? How much of it is part of some broader accounting scam? Not that it's illegal, but it's a broader accounting thing where he's he's pissing away this money because there's some benefit he's getting on the back end. I don't know. I don't know enough about finance and taxation to even begin to think about that. But it just, it just feels like he doesn't care. And if you don't care, there must be some other reason why you don't care. I'm actually almost out of time. How did I not get through these? It said there was, you know, the bottom line, it said 22. There's a hell of a lot more than 22. Let's see what else we have here. Terry Gensler. If a team claims a player on waivers, are they required to take that player's previous contract? They take the existing contract. The contract is on waivers. You, you step into the shoes of the team that... Uh, that the guy played for Dean Osborne. If you absolutely had to live in a different country for whatever reason, which one would you choose to and why? Probably Canada because it's the closest and it's the most like the one that we live in now, right? There's a lot of great cities in Canada. All right, I got to get through these quickly. Yeah, that, yeah, it said 22. There were more. There, there were a lot more than 22. Terry Gensler, has anyone ever told you you say the word color weird? I say the word color weird. How should I say color? 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 How am I saying it weird, Terry? Color. What color is that? Color. How am I saying it weird? Color. Dean Osborne, 42, would you ever appear on Dancing with the Stars? First of all, they never want me. Second of all, no. No. Terry Gensler, can you disclose the phone call with Amy Trask that was referred to yesterday? I mean, it was off the record, so no. 15 years later, it still applies. I can't. Ricardo Hines was right the mastermind behind Philadelphia's Super Bowl win. Doesn't seem to be the same without him. Well, they did pretty well last year without him. They did pretty well. Seth Mitzel, do you think there's going to be an undefeated team this year? Hey, maybe there's going to be two going into the Super Bowl. Who knows? I think it's going to be tough to do. Look at the 49ers back half. And maybe the Patriots aren't as good as 8-0 would suggest. We'll see. All right. Uh, plenty more questions. I appreciate all of the I, I'm, I'm just, I don't know what happened. Here's the last one. Who would survive in a Thunderdome-style fight with all your co-hosts? Barstool, Big Cat, Chris Sims, Peter King, or Stats on Fire? I mean, I'm going to go Sims because he's, like, freakishly large. So probably Sims. But Peter King's got long-ass arms. I played ping-pong once with Peter King. He's got some long-ass arms, so he could, you know, he could fend you off. Big Cat probably fights dirty. Stats is the one that would, like, run and hide under a under a rock all right that's it on that note we'll see you back on monday i gotta go i got wip in philadelphia waiting for me check us out all weekend long at profootballtalk.com enjoy the games thanks for your support we'll see you soon if a friend asks how you're doing and you say i'm okay when the truth is i don't want my problems to burden anyone or you say hang it in there because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.